All around the world, poverty is stealing choices from kids. It's time to give those choices back. Introducing Chosen, World Vision's new invitation to sponsorship. For the first time, kids have the power to choose their own sponsors. Now the choice is theirs. The choice to take hold of their future, and even the choice to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Learn more at worldvision.org chosen. My name is Bruce Reyes Chow, and this is BRC and Friends. Each episode, I chat with activists, artists, academics, and adventurers to discuss politics, faith, pop culture, technology, and as you will discover, pretty much everything else that pops into our heads. This is basically an excuse for me to hang out with friends and colleagues and riff about things that matter. Welcome to BRC and Friends. All right, well, welcome all. I'm really excited today, not in a good way, but in a good way, kind of, that... um, we have two folks here in the midst of everything that's going on with uh, COVID-19. Um, some of you know that I'm Presbyterian and talked with a lot of religious folks. And it just so happens that I have a couple of friends that are up in Seattle and have been having to deal with this in terms of leadership. And so uh, Eliana and Scott have come on to the show. We recorded this today, editing it, posting it. So you're getting this pretty quick with everything that's going on. Um, as I do, I don't introduce folks because they're better at introducing themselves. Um, I would love for Elena and Scott for you to introduce yourselves. And let's just, Scott, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, sure. what's important to know about you, and one interesting thing, one interesting fact about, about you that maybe that Eliana doesn't know. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I, wow, now I don't Now you have to think. <laughs> you got me there on that one. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, so Scott Lumsden, I'm co-executive presbyter with Eliana at, uh, in Seattle Presbytery. That basically means that we serve congregations, we're kind of service pastors to congregations uh, and their leadership, and i uh, been doing it for about 12 years. Um, let's see, uh, work with congregations in transition and on leadership uh, issues and change and lead the transitional ministry workshops and uh, uh, with Eliana and with Heidi. And let's see, something interesting about me. Well, um, Eliana knows this, but um, I, uh, I spend a lot of my free time planning hikes and hiking. And um, what's interesting about me is that um, that's essentially uh, being afraid of heights makes hiking in the mountains out here a challenge for me. And so part of my uh, growing edge is getting over some of my fears of heights. Uh, so, Wow. Yeah. Why don't you just try tightrope walking? Go ahead and just, just go all the way. I mean, you're, yeah. uh, my goodness. I, sometimes it feels like it. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> well, that's folks who know me, like that's a lot of nature for me. I don't, I'm not a big uh, nature person. And Eliana, I don't know if, if you hike at, at all, but. That's white people stuff. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you fit right on to this podcast. We're just continuing on from. <laughs> all right. So. I tell them all the time. Thank my you. People, my people got away from, that from the woods. Going to the woods. Though I will say I love camping, but I go glamping. It is barely camping. It is, <laughs> it is, it is basically a hotel room, and we remove the walls. That's really how I do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right, Ellen, if you could tell us a little bit about who you are, and then one thing that maybe Scott doesn't know about you. Uh, well, um, so my name is Eliana Maxim, 
and um, I'm a pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA, and I serve as co-executive presbyter with Scott in Seattle. And unbelievably, I am coming up on my 10th anniversary in this position, which I remember saying was going to do for two years. So I don't know what happened. Somewhere, someone put the fast forward on this thing. So oh, man. It's, it's, it's like this week, it feels like, right? All of a sudden, it's, it's like, like, was that? Mob. It's like, was that? Yeah, was that just Wednesday? What? Yeah. yeah. All right. And so what's, what's, what's an interesting fact? Well... You know, unfortunately, Scott pretty much knows all my <laughs> because where else and with whom else would I vent? Um, but I, at the age of, um, I think it's eight, I became a certified news junkie mm. um, and began to sleep with a transistor radio under my pillow, tuned into all news station. Um, and I have been sleeping with the news playing on in my earphones ever since. It's been a long time since I was eight. Um, so that's a lot of news, which led me to my first career, which was in journalism. Yeah. And, and were, you, were you a writer, camera before I came back? Like, what did you do? I was a field producer for CNN for 12 years. Oh, great. And so now I'm atoning for those sins and working right. church. Was that before every single thing was breaking news? Everything was breaking news. <laughs> Everything was breaking news. Though I will say, we had 24 the last, hours to fill. The last couple of days, everything is breaking news, it kind of feels like. Well, you know, CNN, that's their bread and butter. If, yeah. You know, the, the, the more tragic, the, the worse the news, the better. Sure, sure. Yeah, 24 hours Wait. nonstop. Which brings us to why we're together, why I invited you all onto the podcast is, you know, you're in Seattle, I'm in Santa Clara County uh, in Northern California, and um, you all are uh, helping to pastor churches and pastors, and I'm a pastor of a congregation. Um, you know, give us uh, a little bit of, and, and I don't expect you all to be experts on this stuff. This is not... Um, uh, but you all are helping folks who think, listen to this, we'll be in to think about how do we have helpful conversations with ourselves and how, you know, that kind of stuff. So the first thing we really want to talk, tell us what's going on in Seattle, uh, maybe broadly in the city, and then how have you all responded as uh, faith communities and leaders in your community um, as regards to COVID-19? Well, I think, I think at the outset, the first thing that I would say is, um, how rapidly things have been changing um, and how it's forced us to be quick on our feet. Um, we've been very fortunate that we have a pretty cohesive staff um, that works well together and um, can move quickly um, to, to address situations that crop up because this, um, the COVID-19 situation literally has changed from hour to hour in our situation in Seattle. Um, we started to talk about this as a staff, gosh, a month ago, would you say, Scott? Yeah. Um, when it first, I mean, when, when it was, it became something serious. And um, it feels like it's just been escalating like, like a snowball. Um, we went from talking about how do we talk to our churches about good hygiene practices in the sanctuary to 
good grief, shut it down. Um, yep. Yep. You know, I, I, it's just, it's just been totally different. Um, and as a matter of fact, the conversations have changed over the time as well with our congregations. And I think that's been another piece that I think has been important for us to be able to pivot quickly um, from acquainting ourselves to what is happening um, with the virus to what our congregations need to remain connected to each other when they can't meet on Sunday and how to do business to what we're engaging in now, which is talking about fine. Now, how do we respond to communities that are um, experiencing some significant trauma and needs? Right. Now, can you, you know, for, for the congregation that I serve, we were, we, um, last Sunday, we had made the decision we were going to meet one more and then kind of see how it was going to go. And because it, it had been, it had started to hit one other congregation had stopped. Um, Stanford just was the first school around here to, to close classes. And then we discovered two weeks earlier, one of our recovery groups had somebody on our campus who had tested positive. Yeah. And I'm like, one, why are you going to groups? And then why didn't you tell us? Um, and so that was our, like our session, it hemmed and hot a little bit, but we ultimately, it became, this is not about us anymore. It's not about Yes, we want to be good at church, but it's a it's a community health issue. Was there something for you all that kind of made this really shift for you? But almost kind of from this an intellectual exercise about how do we help people think to oh, we actually have to do something. Was there anything that that like that that happened for you all? Well, um, the uh, I forget the name of the uh, facility, but what was what's it called? The light oh. It in Kirkland? in Kirkland, in Kirkland, the facility yeah. in Kirkland. So that that was uh, terrifying. Um, How far are you from from there? Just for those of us that don't do geography, uh, it's uh, less than ten miles. Oh, okay. So you're that's okay. You're right uh, there. We're talking. Yeah, when we say the epicenter, Seattle, it's like I can see it from my office. It's okay. Um, and we have a congregation there in that community. In yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. So reading the reports, and then the other, the other thing for us was um, we had people in congregations who were involved in these things, and they would call. Uh, Eliana got a few calls, uh, and we get a few emails. And, you know, you're spending a lot of time reading articles, trying to figure out fact from fiction, um, or I should say not fact from fiction, but um, what's reliable, what's... You know, and what's fake news? Yeah, yeah, right. What's yeah? So that process really, um, we were attuned to it, and then I don't, I forget when we sent out. Well, we sent it out last last Friday, right? Is that when we sent it out? That, no, it was last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, um, it became clear to us that we were experiencing this in our congregations already. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was kind of it. And then we waited because we knew that the governor was, or King County was going to give another uh, update to its uh, faith communities. And it did. And it said, we, I uh, forget what their wording was. Uh, we recommend that um, groups not gather. And right. that was it. That was just like, okay, we need to bring ourselves in line with what the recommendations are for this area now. Right. And that means right. we need to say, and I, I, I wrote that 
I drafted that email or the thing that went out to our churches. And I, you know, using the regular pastor speak, like discern and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was just like, you know what? I'm not bearing the lead on this. Yeah. Um, shut it. Yeah. Yeah. Shut it down. Yep. And, and again, just a little backstory. In our polity, it's our sessions decision. I assume that all of our pastors and congregations knew that. So, you know, uh, <laughs> if, if, if they blame that on the Presbytery that we shut it down, so be it. Uh, so did, did you get anybody like, how dare the Presbytery tell us to stop? We're going to keep going. Hell or I want it down. I mean, did anybody at that point? Because I could see if you go too early, right? I mean, if you go too early and folks aren't feeling it, they're going to be like, wait, that's an overreaction. What are you telling us? To do? I mean, how, how, what was the response like once you sent that out? Well, that's the weird thing. Like, nobody, nobody said, like, how dare the Presbytery say this? What was interesting was how some pastors uh, phrased it you know, uh, to their congregation, like, no. the Presbytery has... Was, it wasn't us. Like, um, but, but I also <laughs> realized that for some pastors, that was a cover, like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, sure. So they used that, and I was like, so I keep telling Scott, this is our opportunity. Let's just go around and make decrees all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just we're, just we're add a few more. Oh, we practice in the office all the time. Now. We shall get rid of all olive green pyramids. Be gone. I can feel my <laughs> Roman Catholic roots just bubbling up. The decrees. Be benevolent, um, benevolent dictatorships, you know, yeah, sometime. Um, All right, so, so the response, though, other was there, besides, I mean, I could totally see how people are like, thank you for giving us, like, help, because, and we want to talk about this later, pastors are struggling with yeah. how to do this, but you know, what were the other... Our presbytery knows us, and uh, I, th I would say 90% of our pastors were like, glad you, glad you said that. Um, the other thing that we were reminded of was how localized, or at least how the impression of localization of this experience is. Um, you know, a couple, we've got a couple churches on the other side of the water of Puget Sound, and they said, well, our, our Kitsap County didn't say to oh. not gather. And so, you know, fair point. Um, and they decided to get together uh, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and our, what we keep saying is our pastors should pay attention to their counties. Yeah. Um, well, and it's not like we have police that you're going to go over there and no. like, I mean, no. <laughs> you can't really decree anything no. and pack it up. Uh, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I, you know, I, I found, um, that folks here, there were some folks, not necessarily in our congregation, though a little bit, who were just like, "Man, it feels like we're overreacting. It feels like it's not quite." And and then there's this like, "Oh no, this is this is actually happening." And and I, we're I, we're now in our area, I think, to the point of we have churches. I'm like, "Why are you now? You have to justify why you're still meeting." Like we've crossed that line. And um, our church just was in the news in the local paper, and there's some comments on it that people are like, "Well, I'm gonna our church is gonna keep meeting." I'm like, what? <laughs> we actually experienced that interestingly enough on social media. Um, uh -huh. You know, some people you know were around the country right. uh, were criticizing the Seattle Presbytery for 
um, not having a strong enough faith. Oh, yes. I've seen some of that stuff going yeah. around. Yeah. And yeah. Thinking about the demise of the church in Western civilization uh, because we can't have church. You, have, you should start making decrees because you have power, apparently. 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 You've now brought down all of Christendom. Well done. Nice. Good, good. We'll just blame it on Seattle Presbyterian. <laughs> Great. Some people are like awesome. Others are like ah. all right. So, um, uh, so how are how are your churches doing now? Are they um, like what what kinds of things are you doing with them to kind of stay in support of them, or what are you hearing from the congregations? Because uh, because you all are kind of leading this. Unfortunately, you've had to deal with it first, and, and we all know that it's just going to keep moving. Um, what what would be good advice as as you've been now working with these congregations through this time? So one of the things I think, and, and Scott, you know, jump in, cut me off. Um, one of the things that I think has been really helpful is that, um, as Scott mentioned before, we, we have relationship with our churches, with almost all of them. Um, so, and we've been maintaining open communications with them. As a matter of fact, we just got off, uh, we were holding Zoom conversations with pastors that just want to log on and talk about what's going on. What are they worried about? What's making them anxious? Um, what do they need from us as a presbytery, as a staff, as, a, as, a, as an institution in a, in a system as well? So that we can then kind of create processes to address those needs. So that's been really important, the, the modes of communication. I think also anticipating what the next need might be. Mm. I think that's been really um, I think it's helpful to our pastors. It, it gives them a sense of uh, comfort that they don't have to be thinking about everything. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so I think that I, I would say that. What, what else? What else? Would uh, well, your first question, Bruce, was about how are they feeling, and I would say um, anxious and um, uh, I would say a little stressed. Yeah. Um, you know, no one really knows how to do this. Yeah. And I think there's both the excitement of trying something new, but then there's the tiredness of actually trying to put it all together and deal with all the technical aspects um, and then deal with the trauma of what we're actually going through, why we're doing all this. And then the next level question, which we, we're putting our focus into is essentially, you know, we're gonna have communities uh, that are gonna be stressed beyond their limit. Right. Um, what, what, do we, what do we do as a Presbytery and what do our churches do? And, you know, and I'm concerned about our pastoral leaders who are already feeling a little, um, a little stressed. There's, you know, there's some internal stresses and external stresses. The internal stresses are, you know, worship's actually kind of getting worked out. Um, it's, uh, this is going to hit us financially. Um, we've got staff members who are worried about their jobs now. Um, we've got pastors who don't know what congregation they're going to come back to in you know six months people are trying to be realistic about this hmm. um, I, I was going to ask you about that and what did you all put a a time frame on what on your ask to just okay. until further notice okay um so 
so I think people are kind of going through the, the crisis, you know, planning and they're like going, well, gosh, if I lose six members of my congregation uh, or whatever, um, and we have a congregation of 40, yeah. um, who's going to want to come back in six months? Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean to both what I do as a pastor and what does that mean for our community? I'm actually fairly well connected to our community. Um, there's a lot of deep uh, questions going on right now. And all we're trying to do is kind of catch up with them and figure out how we can put those questions into the normal day-to-day work now of a presbytery, which there's no normal day-to-day. In. <laughs> right, right. Well, thank you. This is great. Um, really appreciate it. Actually, that's a great segue. And um, right after we get back from a break, we'll um, talk a little bit um, um, about pastors and um, what we can do and, and any words of wisdom we may be able to offer to folks who are struggling. So let's take a break real quick, and we'll be right back. Illustrated Ministry is supporting local congregations and families to help flatten the curve with free weekly faith formation resources for all ages. To find out more, visit illustratedministry.com forward slash flatten the curve. And we're back. (laughs) That was so quick. quick. It's magic. We actually waited the entire minute of the, no. Um, So uh, again, so uh, thanks for being here again. Um, so I've been talking with pastors, you know, online, all that kind of thing. We did a, I threw up a, a, a Zoom thing on how to do worship on Zoom, not not streaming, but creating a worship experience using Zoom. And I think we had 70 people show up in, you know, a couple of days beforehand. I have already 80 people signed up for this coming up one on Monday. Awesome. Um, and some of it was because I, you know, I'm like, I've been trying to, this is part of my plan. Not that we're trying to say, oh, there's a good thing out of this, but I, so we're ready to go. Like we, we started a, a midweek prayer service and we're ready. But I think it's pushed folks to begin to have to think again about how they're leading church. And it's created some of these existential crises about that. And so not only are they dealing with the outside stuff and their personal experience, but now it's like, oh, I'm being forced into worshiping differently and leading that and and all that so there's so there's that and then all the other stuff you're dealing with but um you know as folks are contacting you um what are, are, are there themes you're hearing about where the anxiety is or where the possibilities are i mean what are folks kind of saying to you so you know i i, I want to bring up two things that i have seen as as themes coming up that are very interesting to me um that this crisis has, has made us um, have to focus on it. One of them is um, the quality of leadership, um, pastoral leadership. Let's, let's face it, seminary never prepared any of us for this situation. <laughs> I did see somebody say, so added to my list, pastoring dur- during a pandemic. Yeah. Like, that's true. I never took that class. That was not, yes. Yeah. So it's been interesting to watch um, what capacity certain leaders have for adapting and, um, and being able to pivot pretty quickly uh, when things are in flux mm-hmm. and, 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 um, and where, the, where that strength lies. So that's been a really interesting thing of, of just 
recognizing uh, strong leadership and then the, the leaders that are challenged by this because they can't go to the, to the safe and sure ways of doing things. Um, the second thing has been um, really getting people to question and have conversations about what it means to be church. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because so much of it was, oh my God, if we can't meet Sunday morning at 10, it's the yeah. end of us as, as, as a church. Right. And, um, right. and I was going to say, intellectually, we know that's not true. But then when we're starting to talk about we're not having Easter. Yeah, like, right. What? <laughs> or yeah. the churches that freak out like, oh my gosh, we, we always have communion. Yeah. What are we going to do now? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's really, in some ways, it's really caused us to um, have an opportunity to step back and look at both ourselves and each other as what kind of leaders do we need to be right now? And is this what the, we've been preparing for all along as the church has been shifting in dramatic ways away from our historical um, structure and uh, way of being church to something new? And I feel like this pandemic has just accelerated that change. All around the world, poverty is stealing choices from kids. It's time to give those choices back. Introducing Chosen. World Vision's new invitation to sponsorship. For the first time, kids have the power to choose their own sponsors. Now the choice is theirs. The choice to take hold of their future and even the choice to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Learn more at worldvision.org slash chosen. Um, in a very, very fast way. Right. Let me, I'm going to follow up on one thing and then Scott, I want you to jump in. But um, so that, that kind of people who are able to pivot and those who are not, um, I, I kind of see that like in sometimes you need the other way around, right? Those of us, like I, in, a, in Clifton Strengths, activator is very high in mind, which is let's go, right? So now is when people are like, thanks for moving so quickly. I'm like, that's what I normally do. But in sometimes that's not very helpful. And then there are other times where, you know, that kind of deliberates, like that's what we need. Um, have you found that people are recognizing that in themselves or is it kind of, and, and see, like I've, I've talked with some people like, I know that I do not adapt well, so I need you to help me think through what I'm doing versus people that are like, just are really are just out, have, are out of what's at the end and are really stressed out. Have, how have you noticed that people's ability to be self-reflective about that? Has there been any or what's, have you seen people living out of those particular things? Um, I think, I think people are getting there in their own time. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, it's interesting to see some of people's first impulses. Um, Mm. um, I think the idea of trying to, um, recapture corporate worship has really called into question why. Um, mm. what, it, what is it about corporate mm-hmm. worship? What, what, what are you actually trying to do? Right. And right. So, so then like when you're in a new, new situation like that, you do have to question everything you do. Yep. And, and so I think there's some of that going on and I think that's actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also brings into question then, what do we mean by community? 
um, is getting together and going through the motions as a church community. Is right. that is that authentic? Um, for for some, that is that is the meaningful time. Right. Um, but I think what we're what we're now realizing is that there's actually a, there's a community beyond where you're streaming that um, service. Um, who's not in that setting? Um, right. Who's who's excluded by this particular uh, type of service? Are there other ways of connecting? This is the other, yeah. you know. So it's 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 this. Uh, isolation and community question yep that's great and then yeah. you and then you throw in you throw in worship and then you throw in uh leaders who are feelers and and then and then some leaders who are more strategic and then you've just got this mix <laughs> and people are trying to work it out and now we have and the church there we go yeah and i I, I think as long as we're facilitating that conversation uh, with them and listening, I, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it's just forced us into these questions of, uh, so our congregation, we're focusing on the very same thing, right? Community and isolation. Cause we're just, there are going to be folks that can't, and, and we hope we won't drop that many through the cracks kind of thing, but there, that uh, is a huge piece for us. Um, and, and so I think that that's, that's really good because I think, um, I, the people that pain me the most and out of my empathy are, are my friends who are so tortured by making the right choice. Mm -hmm. And, and, and as if there is one right choice, right? Cause there's, they so love the church and the church they're serving that, you know, it's just tortured. And I'm like, it's some point, man, you just, you just gotta, you gotta decide, like, yeah. then figure it out. I mean, so as you're, as you're thinking about your pastors, church leaders, whoever you, you know, you get to kind of work with, what, what's some counsel or what would you say to them around some of the decision-making and discernment and anxiety that they're feeling as leaders? Um, you know, I come to you and I'm like, I don't, I'm just totally stressed out. I, and whatever. What do you what do you say to these folks who are really trying to figure this out and are just having a hard time? Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, obviously, it kind of goes without saying, but I'll say it. Um, <laughs> I, I I try not to uh, start with uh, giving them advice. So so just being able to listen and hear their stresses and mm -hmm. acknowledge that, yeah. I, I totally get it. Mm -hmm. That is stressful. Um, then I think giving people permission to realize that there isn't a right answer right now. Um, and you already alluded to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then I, I am, I'm learning a lot by listening to how pastors are thinking through the issues mm. because different things come to my mind then. Um, one, uh, that I talked to this morning said, you know, talking about isolation, she said, well, you know, so Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days. So obviously there's something there for us. And that was a totally different framework for me. Like, you know, for her, this was, this was a deep theological question about 
moving away from corporate worship. And how do I talk to my people about this? What are some theological frameworks? And, uh, and she said, we're not going to stream worship. We are, I'm going to figure out a way that I can connect with them on a, on a more regular basis. And we're, we're going to figure that out as a session. And I just thought, well, you know, this is, this is some good thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, so let me ask, as soon as you just said, I'm not going to ask uh, Alfred advice. Are there tactical things that, cause I think at a certain level, folks are just like, I, I have no idea what to do. Just, I'm going to try stuff. I need to know stuff. I mean, that's what we're going to do on Monday. I'm going to do this, run this kind of conversation back again. And it's like, okay, here's some ideas. Try them. Did it work? Uh, what are some things you've been hearing about what people are doing, how they're doing it? Um, again, it's uncharted territory for many. Any any things that you think are been interesting, or even just like maybe boring, but that's a good one. Like here's here's something to try. So I think I think one thing that I would I would say um, has worked well for several of our congregations is they partner up with other congregations. Yeah. And I mean, who would have thunk, right? Presbyterian <laughs> Church has decided to do worship together. Shocking. I know. <laughs> but um, and I mean, we have one where there's there's like four congregations getting together. Yeah. So what does that what does that mean? So are they going to do a do a online worship experience together? Is that so, okay? So the four di- this one that I'm thinking of, it's the four different pastors from these four different congregations will all meet in the sanctuary of one of them and do a, a live streaming worship service um, where the four of them are leading together. Oh, cool. Um, so you know, I. I it's yep. like a no-brainer. Well, it, it does. And I, uh, so I'm, I have this big dream about doing a huge ecumenical Easter service, like thousands of people all online at the same time. And all that. I, can one of you make that happen? Um, uh, but, it, but it does make sense, right? It's like it, it shares the energy. It shares ideas. Yeah. You don't have to be an expert at everything. And now we can just – I'm like, this is so obvious yeah, it should have been obvious before about other projects, but now, so I'm open. That's great. So you're actually have they tried it yet? We're actually seeing that. I think the other thing is just the formats. I mean, yeah. several of our churches have said we're not doing, we're not going to try to replicate the Lord's Day, yeah, service uh, on a on a live stream. It's ridiculous. And so, um, preaching is not from a pulpit, but it's uh, sitting down at a round table with a couple of other people and talking about the, um, the text. Right. And maybe there's a couple of songs thrown in there to sing together and a prayer or two and, and call it good. And it's actually very meaningful and very powerful. Right. Yeah. Um, well, it goes, it goes back to that. Like we're being asked to question what is worship. Right. And, right? right. And yeah, that's correct. So oh, I'm, like, I'm like, Scott, I do give a piece of advice to the <laughs> pastor. I'm uh, again, I'm shocked. I know. <laughs> 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 I do have an excuse. I could give a whole rationale why I do that. But anyway, and, and my, my advice, my one piece of advice is lean into your strengths. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, and for some pastors, it's the liturgical creativity is, is their gift. And that's where they excel. And so fine, lean into that. But for other ones, it's been, you know, some, this other pastor was like their small group Bible studies. And so they're finding ways to do that during the week and they're not even thinking about Sunday. Mm-hmm. They're not going to worry about that. So do you, do you have some congregations like we're just not doing anything on Sunday? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, and I think that's important because I think that especially in places that maybe it doesn't feel as serious yet, 
like yeah. drop in Sunday feels like this massive decision. And, and I always tell people like, well, when it feels real, it, it's obvious. <laughs> well, well, I think in some of those congregations may, may feel it a couple weeks later and then wonder, okay, so what do we do now? Um, mm, mm. So um, the one thing that I would say from, at least from my experience, um, with, with a few exceptions, music does not come off well uh, streamed. No. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry I had to say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm always like, please do not, please do not try to do anything in unison online. <laughs> please yeah. do not give that advice. Please note. Uh, oh, I will, I will give that advice all day <laughs> if they're talking about online. Anyway, keep going, Scott. Sorry. Uh, well, and I would, I would uh, echo Eliana's comment that um, it is, it is good to have colleagues that you can work with because it really does uh, spread out the leadership um, and it brings congregations together. It brings leadership teams together. Um, and I, I would also say that if you are going to do some kind of worship um, or, you know, sermon type thing, um, <laughs> the, di the dialogical, to, to watch people engage the text, text that is more interesting than listening to, listening to someone try to preach online um, to, you know, to basically just a, a handheld phone. <laughs> yes. I'm just trying I, to imagine. I imagine all the awkward ways people are going to try to do this. And I'm just like, oh. Just work with people. Like, find the person that knows how to do this well, and you bring your thing there, and they bring their thing there, and uh, which I think, I hope, with all the conversations people are having, that's what's going to happen. Is that folks are going to realize, yeah, I probably am not the one that should be doing the handling the Zoom, right? Let somebody else do that. And um, are there any? Have you heard of any really interesting kind of things people are doing, just in terms of gathering? ideas like i i do a did a thing last night for the first time it's we have beverages with bruce and i just said everybody show up at eight o'clock on zoom with something to drink and we're gonna hang out and just talk about stuff no deliverables no discernment we're just gonna hang out um and so but have you other things that you've heard of churches other other than our staff doing that sort of thing? well you know i didn't want to you know kind of <laughs> i would say we said we had, we had somebody show up with a hot toddy Another one with like a Japanese bourbon, and I'm like, I, I had coffee. I'm like, I've been kind of up my game apparently in the next round. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, any interesting things that folks have done that you that come to mind? Just they don't have to be, but uh, well, uh, last Sunday there was a roundtable where there was a guest preacher, and uh, you had the regular leadership, and then you had the guest preacher, and they talked about the text and the, and the issues the text presented. And it was fascinating. It and so they, they streamed the, so the, the streaming was of that conversation happening. Basically the, the streaming was of them at a table, almost, you know, similar, just, just them talking and, mm. and it was engaging and it was inform it, not just informative, but it was compelling. Um, and it also gave the impression that there was a community out there Right. that I was a part of, whereas if, if it were just the pastor trying to communicate a message that 
that it just doesn't come across the right. same way right. as seeing people. Cool. Awesome. Any other things? We have a movie group that's trying to figure out how do they watch a movie together and do Zoom at the same time. And so that's going to be an interesting... So somebody might be sharing their screen, but they all can talk during... I don't know. But Lots of time on your hands up there in Palo Alto. Well, this is very intense people around some of the things they do. And they're like, we are not giving up. Like, movie group is important. So I'm like, all right, let's figure this out. I mean, it is really interesting that... So, you know, you all both know me pretty well. So, like, this, I, this I'm, like, in my element now. Right. And so... Yeah, we know. And people are... The church is like, wow, it's as if God was, like, ha- made all this happen together. And we, you happen to be here. I'm like, yeah, well... We have literally all come to your, to your feet. And we are... <laughs> we are... We are now in your hands. Yes. <laughs> that's, what does Bruce say? That's right. Some people are like, what's the best thing? I'm like, oh, you, you really, you got to translate for your community because it, it may not work for you. And a lot of people are frustrated with that because I think they want, what, how will I, how will this be perfect? I'm like, it, it, no. just like worship, right? Just like anybody. Well, I mean, you just said it. I mean, it's so yeah. contextual too. Yeah. Right? You know, we've got some churches that are, you know, able to pull off, this mega live stream and it's great yep. and they're doing the whole thing. And the other one that they have, they don't have congregants that will log on. Yep. yep. They don't know how to log on. Yeah. They're going to do a phone tree. Yeah. <laughs> Actually we're doing one too. Somebody is like, I'm like, go, yes, let's do that. Yeah. Phone trees. I'm, bold. I'm I'm trying to bring back the pager, but that probably isn't going to happen. Oh, ouch. So, <laughs> Everybody on flip phones. Let's go. All right. So um, thank you all very much. This is, this is, this is great. I mean, I think folks just, I think some of it is just knowing that a lot of people are kind of trying to navigate all of this, uh, especially pastors trying to, trying to help their folks through it. So let's take another break. Um, we're going to hear from Moral Light Presbyterians. I have the privilege and honor of serving on the board of Moorlight Presbyterians. MLP is an organization with the mission to work for the full participation of LGBTQIA plus people in the life, ministry, and witness of the Presbyterian Church USA and in society. One aspect of our work is to honor people's gender identity and preferred pronouns and to encourage and help others to do the same. We do this in a variety of ways, but one of our most successful has been creating swag such as pins, stickers, and t-shirts that are visible symbols and sayings that honor the beauty of our gender identities. If you'd like to get your MLP swag, they are offering a special discount for listeners of BRC and Friends, so just go over to mlp.org backslash shop and use the code BRC at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase of anything in the store except for patches and stoles. Again, get your more light Presbyterian swag at mlp.org backslash shop and use the code BRC for 15% off. And we're back. Uh, hopefully you picked up some swag from MLP. Um, so we're going to end like I, we do at the podcast. So um, I'm going to ask um, I gave, gave folks a heads up. So what are you listening to? What are you reading? And what are you watching? You could do all three, two of the three. It doesn't really matter. So music, podcasts, TV, movies, books, magazines, sign, bumper stickers, whatever. Reading, watching, listening to. So music-wise, I, um, I keep playing on repeat Lizzo and Miles <laughs> Davis for some reason. I keep going back and forth between the two. Mm. Um, watching so gosh you know I had started to watch The Hunters 
And oh, I could not watch. I. It's so intense. It's so intense, and I and then this often this happened. So I quickly, quickly changed and um, been watched Hentified. Oh, I, oh, maybe you call it Gentified. Oh. <laughs> It's actually pronounced hentified. Yes, now I know what you're talking about. Now you know about. what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that was a lifesaver. It looks like, is there a lot of emotional investment in that one? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe I didn't emotionally invest in it. Sorry. I grew up nearby. I lived for a long time nearby, near Boyle Heights. So uh, okay. it was a connection for me, but like not. So awesome, cool. Yeah. So yeah. Are you reading anything interesting? Any interesting books out there that are mags or? Well, again, I was reading like what <laughs> I, I, I was reading, Mindful of Race. I don't know if you're. Uh -huh. So I was like really into it, and then everything started, and so I said, no, for a time as this, I need to go back and read Love in the Time of Cholera. So oh. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Just ah. right. Hmm. You're so much a, of a better person than I am. She is. <laughs> God, she is. <laughs> I, I meant, I meant for me. I didn't mean for you. <laughs> You're right. She is a much better person than you, Bruce. So let's just. Because <laughs> right I'm, I'm like going all escape. Like I just, I have to force myself to just like escape into something. I love the time of color escape. No. Well, wait. What's the title? Love in the time of cholera. That I don't know the book, but that does not oh, feel like escape. How can you even make a judgment call? Well, because the title is about cholera. Well, it's actually a love story. It's actually oh. love. It's about love. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then you're maybe you're not a better person than me. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sky, you're up. Uh, well, you know, it has been hard to find free time lately, but what I, 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 uh, I still am pretty dedicated to my walk. So, uh, for me, uh, staying sane is taking a long walk. Um, and usually what I'll, I'll have a book on sometimes I, uh, recently listened to, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, uh, I listened to The Smiths way too much. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge Johnny Marr fan, so all I'm I, so I am learning to play the guitar. I mean, I can play it, but I'm trying to learn how to play it better. Uh -huh. And to be able to listen to a guitar uh, genius uh, for 45 minutes and just listen to the guitar um, just blows my mind. And so it's great release for me. Um, and then you know, occasionally if I'm sitting down and watching a little TV besides MSNBC, I will, I'll do a little Chef's Table or a little Kim's Convenience um, on Netflix. Um, yeah, and I've been, lately I've been listening to uh, uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I don't know why, <laughs> but it just came on and I couldn't stop listening. <laughs> That is a very eclectic. Can I, can I just say that right now, my heart feels so warm, Scott, because <laughs> you never mentioned you two, and I am so grateful for that. I didn't mention who. You two. Oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm looking like, I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> uh, I just feel like all of you, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. Let me finish what you were going to say. <laughs> white guys who are 50 uh, worship Princeton. you too. And, Princeton. And, yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. But... No, it's not true. They it's not, true. It, not, not all white guys who are 50. No. I like some of their earlier stuff. The later stuff is just really hard to swallow. Um, <laughs> no, I'm more melancholy and uh, depressing, so I go straight <laughs> to the Smith. Yes, yes, indeed you are. Oh, and, my goodness. And I, 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 you know, melody is just you can't get better, like, Morrissey and Marr, I'm telling you, uh, it, it's the 80s version of uh, McCartney and uh, Lennon and McCartney. Um, anyway, that... I love seeing this part side of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I stay sane. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, I just got off a uh, coaching thing and I was like, you got to force yourself to do the things that help provide you some breath and break and whatever it's going to be but you gotta force yourself to do it otherwise like if you love what you're doing and you're passionate you're just going to keep doing it until you're not doing it very well so yeah that's great it's glad glad to hear um thank you both this has been really good um i hope it's been helpful for folks who are going to hear it um and you know as we're holding everybody in some prayer and hoping everything goes well and slows down and all of that. Um, thank you for your leadership, uh, not just now, but um, as, as you have been doing for years. So, and thank you for being on the show. And thank you for your leadership. We're all, yeah. uh, like I said, we're, we're being serious. <laughs> you're, you're leading us. Mr. Moderator. Mr. Moderator, you all, well, I would, I'm going to say you, neither of you stood when I came on. So, you know, whatever, that's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure I did. <laughs> I'm sure I did. Inside my head. All right. Thank you all for being here and we'll see you all next week. The RC and Friends was produced, written, recorded, and edited by Bruce Reyes Chow with zero help from his dog Vespa. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to BRC and Friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please follow, like, tag, and share on all the platforms via BRC A N D F R I E N D S. Thanks for listening to BRC and Friends. Is your car no longer stopping like it used to? Don't miss out on spring brake deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies you need to do the job right the first time. You'll find great deals on brake pads and rotors, fluids, degreasers, and more. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit OReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Is your car no longer stopping like it used to? Don't miss out on spring brake deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies you need to do the job right the first time. You'll find great deals on brake pads and rotors, fluids, degreasers, and more. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, oh.